Hi, welcome back to Make Do. I'm Julia Scott. And I'm Tiff Arment. And I want to start with a little heads up that we're going to start by doing a little sort of Inktober check-in, but then this episode is going to be about mental health and um, mental unhealth, I guess. It's not going to be graphic or anything, but it is going to be pretty frank. So if you're listening with kids or if you're you know, feeling a little vulnerable, then uh, maybe save it for later. Uh, but first, happy <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Inktober or sad, depending on how well you did with Inktober. Right. So Inktober check in. How did you do? I did okay. I think I would be a solid five out of ten in that <laughs> I skipped a whole bunch of days when it wasn't lunchbox day. I I started at first trying to do weekends, but then totally failed. Uh, just it just escaped my mind, so I just let them go. And um, a couple of days, I felt like some of the words I couldn't quite put into a lunchbox. Mm-hmm. So, but I still drew something. So that's good. So I, I just feel like I've kept up with my lunchbox art and Inktober happened to fall in between there and I used some of their words. Like that's not how it went for me. That counts. So I did some of it, but not all of it. Yeah, I had a couple of days where I would like remember like as I went to bed, like, oh crap, I have to, I have to draw something. So there were a couple of days where I drew several things. One of the last few days, I think I combined three or four prompts into one. So mm-hmm. I, I didn't draw 31 things uh, and I didn't use 31 prompts, but I drew like something related to each day, which I think is just pretty good. Yeah. I think you did really well. I enjoyed your drawings a lot. I especially oh, like you. that you actually stuck with like the ink, like the black and white <laughs> situation. I yeah, I really I really like your style. You always say that you're not really an art, but your illustration style is really fun and I like Thank it. Thank you. And I did like cuz I I set myself the goal of like working more on realism and I think I tried that and like different sort of flavors of realism, like mm-hmm. stuff that is realistic but very simplified and very sort of illustrative and then trying to really really get to like drawing things from nature like from the real world like with with a what would you call it just like figure drawing like drawing a thing that was in front of me and it was it was really nice to to have the practice like it and it didn't really stress me out the way these challenges sometimes do like again some mm-hmm. some days i was like ah i forgot uh but even then i was like well it's still like it's fun and i'll do it tomorrow and i didn't do that thing where you miss a day and then you just go no nah, no i messed everything up i don't want to do this anymore i just went okay i'll do it tomorrow which was also nice yeah the not giving up part i think is it feels like a win in this kind of situation where I always feel like whenever I do some sort of prompty challenge thing like this and I miss a day, I just throw all my papers in the air and walk away, you know, because <laughs> I'm just like, that's it. It's ruined. It's, there's no sense in keeping it up now. Like, you know, when I was wearing an Apple watch for a little while and I was getting my rings and then one day I didn't get the rings and I'm like, well, never getting these again. <laughs> this is over. <laughs> so that's how I feel a lot about these challenges is that you end up caring a lot when there's a streak and then you give up when you miss one. But getting back on and even if you miss one doing one the following day anyway and just and and trying out another one even if you only get one or two more in I think that that's still a big win and it was also fun to like think really sit down and think about like because some days I would just draw the first thing that came to mind or I would sort of force something quickly out of my head like what could and some days I would really really think about it and uh, Pontus my husband would have these like he would I don't think he was intentionally provoking me into deciding, but he would like throw all these sometimes good, sometimes weird ideas at me, (laughs) which would make me go, no, Uh, which I think is sometimes a very, very helpful thing to do. Yeah, at least you have a visceral reaction to one thing, like a big hard no, instead of a, I don't know, waffle, waffle, waffle. (laughs) But I really liked, especially with yours following along, is that every time I came across it, I knew that that was your Inktober without looking at the name associated (laughs) with it. So that I see that I'm very jealous of because I don't know what my voice is because I'm all over the place when I create things. It's like right now I'm obsessed with like macrame, (laughs) like the idea of like just making knots and a whole bunch of rope. I really want to try to make one of those. And that's all I'm looking at on Instagram. And so it's like, I just, I ping pong all over the place. It's like, oh, I'm going to draw over here. Oh, I'm going to draw this character. I'm going to draw with these markers. Now I'm going to paint an apple and then I'm going to paint an ocean. And now I'm going to knot some string, like just... 
manically all over the place. And sometimes I sit down and try and find what my stuff looks like. Like, what would someone say if they were scrolling through and they're like, what would it? Oh, yes, that's Tiff. Like, of course. And so I, I really admire that about you and that like I can scroll through and be like, that's Julia. And I see that in your pottery, too. I can scroll through. I follow a whole bunch of other potters and I can pick them out without even looking at the username. It's because I had a pottery teacher who said that, and I think I've said this before, maybe that everyone has a shape they like. And sometimes that shape is also their personal shape. So my things mm-hmm. all have heavy bottoms. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't say that last part. I said that last part. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like people who look like their dogs i think so like that like people end up getting a dog that kind of looks like them yeah i don't like doing things that are like really tall and straight up and down it's not my thing <laughs> it just doesn't feel right no it's fun to do and it's a really good practice but it's not it's not my like instinctual shape all right so i need to get snarky faces on everything <laughs> <laughs> but like... do you do you think that you want it because obviously you're probably going to keep doing the lunch boxes. I'm guessing until you're going to like send 30 at a time to Adam's college once that time comes. <laughs> I'll do it until he gets embarrassed or until he doesn't take a lunch box anymore. <laughs> but like, what did you do? Because I really want to keep doing this and I need to think of a nice, like a fun form for it. Um, I'm traveling next week and I'm bringing my sketchbook and I'm thinking like I'll draw some buildings and stuff. Um, but I'm trying to think of like a fun form. So maybe it'll be like 30 magical creatures for December or, uh, 30 uh, gifts I'd like to receive for December, like something that keeps me in that, well, this is a thing I do every day mood. What worked for me when I first started the lunchbox art was I did a countdown to Halloween. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I did a drawing a day with whatever was on the drawing. It was kind of associated with fall and Halloween and progressively got more scary as we approached Halloween and I had the countdown numbers on it. So that kind of kept me on track through the initial first lunchbox note run. And now I just draw whatever, but maybe something like that where you can count down to something. Maybe it's Christmas time. Maybe it's um, a travel that you're going to be going on. Maybe it's, uh, there. you know, find something like that and uh, draw progressively like, oh, I'm packing. What am I going to pack today? I'll draw <laughs> what I'm going to pack, you know, like, you know, yeah. and then like where you're going to go and what you're going to sightsee with and stuff like that. I think that would be kind of fun. Be like a little uh, a sketch, a doodle of your your daily plans. Or it could be, I'm just thinking now, like if I do a countdown to the new year, I could do like stereotypical new year's resolutions like every day is some sort of uh embodiment of something that people promise themselves with the new year that Ooh, could that's be pretty fun good. that could be I fun like that. all right good plan what about you <laughs> what what are you what are you like taking with you from from inktober um i'm really not taking that much with me honestly like i kind of feel like maybe i'm on the uh, i'm sure other people feel like this I hope other people feel like this, but it was like, it was fun to do. And uh, I just, I keep, I have that lunchbox art thing. So I feel like that has filled my daily doodle quota. Um, Today I I drew Garfield. (laughs) Was it good to have like a a prompt that's not only like um, characters that, um, that your kid wants to see or that you are playing right now? Was it good to have like sort of a different approach to what you pick to draw? Oh, yeah. It was definitely nice to know that I didn't have to sit there and decide what I needed to draw. I just I had the prompt and I had to think about it. But there were definitely, definitely times when I was reading some of the prompts and I'm like, ooh, this feels a little bit too or my brain is taking this into a dark place and (laughs) I cannot draw this for my kid. You know, like the day, like muddy was a fun day because I could draw muddy boots or, you know, that kind of stuff. And he loves muddy boots. So that was nice and easy. And then I don't know, it like take out one of I'm not looking at the list right now but there was like a particularly um like I don't know a day where I was just like this is making me uncomfortable so <laughs> I'm going to draw something completely different here's a pumpkin like <laughs> it was really fun though to see the very very different kinds of uh, of interpretations of the prompts like mm-hmm. where people's brains went some people were super literal some people really took it you know all sorts of places it was it was fun it was it was cool so, um, our our topic today is pretty much like the myth of the tragic artist, and this is a topic that we've been 
not putting off, but gearing up to for a while um, because it's something that I think is really important to talk about. And I know a lot of people uh, think about or talk about or don't know how to talk about, sort of. Mm -hmm. And I thought that I would sort of start off positioning myself uh, in this, uh, in that um, I have you know, mental illness in my family. But me personally, uh, I have ADHD. I have uh, Asperger's or high functioning autism. It's a thing of it's the it's phrased differently in Europe and the US now with the DSM, whatever. Uh, I have generalized anxiety disorder, which is partially connected to the other stuff partially comes from, you know, some trauma in my past. I, you know, I have insomnia. I'm a millennial. All of those things. Um, Are you classifying being a millennial as a mental illness? More than like just <laughs> the general like we're cucumbers with anxiety. Um, yeah, we're cucumbers who recognize our anxieties. Yeah, and I think that's actually really important because I think you know we, I, my friends and I joke sometimes that uh, I mean every generation has issues, but I think that like people born in the 70s and onward are more aware of like 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 our psyche is a thing (laughs) and like we we talk about our feelings and we try to handle our feelings in a way that I think maybe our parents didn't Mm -hmm. so much and I've dealt with all of these things in various ways in my past like I have histories of eating disorders and self-harm and which were in some ways, again, like ways of dealing with with pain and with anxiety. But also I have not, you know, handled it and dealt with it for a long time. And I now have helped to deal with that, which is very important to me. But I think that we joked, you know, last time about writing bad poetry uh, and like trying to sometimes, I think for me some of my writing was both a way of dealing with it and also, I think, a way of trying to get someone to go, hey, are you okay? And that's not necessarily the case either. Like a lot of people, like you were saying, like you write dark stuff because you are trying to deal with just like all of the feelings and they're not necessarily even bad feelings. Like, you know what I mean? Like you're not, Mm -hmm. you're not hurting more than you're hurting just because you're 16 and like your brain is it on fire and full of ants you know is is that not how it works no that's totally how it works <laughs> but but Those there teenage is teenage ants they just but there is infest. very much this idea of you know the 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 artist who's full of pain and that's where all art has to come from and i don't think that's true i, I and i definitely don't think cuz i think what's very damaging is the idea that you have to nourish that pain and i i i don't mean that in the sense of like well you shouldn't pretend that you're hurting i just mean that especially there's this idea of um like medication is bad because it'll take away who you are and i think that comes from two things a this history of like well you know if you if you give artists just like all of the laudanum and opium then yeah they're probably not gonna paint as well and then also the fact that for a lot of people getting medication it takes a while to find what works and i i will say that i was for a while i was worried about getting on antidepressants because i saw people close to me who sort of lost themselves for a while while they were finding the right medication and i was like part of me when I was much younger was like I don't like my (laughs) for me it was very much about like my writing I was like my my brain is the one thing that I have that is me and if I can't if I'm not like quick in my brain if that's going to be muted who am I and I think Mm -hmm. that's a very common perception Do, do you do you agree oh yeah um I don't have any personal experience with um medication like that or anything but I I do go off of just generally the public knowledge of, oh, yes, the suffering artist and like the rock stars that just burn out super young and seem to create their best work. And then they go off into a big ball of flames and everyone's like, yep, that was part of their genius. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really dangerous to associate 
like that genius with you have to kind of be off the rails and just gone in order to create something beautiful and extreme and amazing. And yes, creative things do come from that, but not it's not the only way that it gets here. Yeah, and I, I definitely think because both if, if you're in a manic phase or if you're, say, unmedicated for, for ADHD and you're sort of going at, you know, 180 miles an hour, yeah, you're going to possibly produce more, but it's like maybe it's better to do it slower and maybe even have time to evolve. And I like I, I'm, I just don't also... I feel like say say you have issues with schizophrenia for instance and you you paint these amazing things and then you get on medication and the the colors go away and I just feel like you you can't demand of someone that they owe the world their genius if it also means that they are in tremendous amounts of pain mm-hmm. and it it could also be intensely painful to lose that drive and that force but i still i I personally like i can't see how it's worth it and i know that a lot of people throughout history have have felt that it's worth it but i just think i do wonder about a lot of artists in history like if with modern medication and with modern help could they maybe have you know lived longer lived more balanced lives and still produced things you know Mm -hmm. oh yeah i mean there's also that whole idea of a lot of times you're not seen as uh, a creative genius if you just like I create stuff because I like it you know (laughs) like it's that takes you to a very surface level or seen as being at a very surface level uh, and that's usually not considered as awesome especially in I feel like an artist community where I feel like the extremes are kind of glorified Mm-hmm. in a really unhealthy way yeah there's that that idea of of like authenticity like real art a expresses emotions and and mm-hmm. b preferably pain like mm-hmm. you can't like you're saying like you can't just make a thing because you because you like it and i mean there, there's all those jokes about like what parents do is prepare their kids to be artists you know <laughs> like you, <laughs> you can't write books if you had a good upbringing with so you're you're ruining adam i'm sorry he's gonna become like he's gonna become an architect i'm sorry um (laughs) that's that's a weird choice because that's creative but you know what i mean like yeah architects are like the results of happy childhoods (laughs) i don't know or like uh uh, i'm trying to think of any job that's not like damaged but you know what i mean like there's that idea of, of if if you had a happy childhood and you don't have any real trauma like maybe your bunny died you know like you can't Mm -hmm. Th- th- then there's no like life force to make you create books or paintings or anything like maybe you can make mugs you can be a production potter that's what you can do if you had a good See, childhood i feel like you're explaining me that is i had a really good childhood but my bunny did die uh <laughs> that was do you that do was you need to it. talk about your bunny tiff no it's wanna... okay i don't need to talk about the bunny <laughs> no but there is that thing of of like if it's again like real or authentic art uh and and uh, and I think, like, I think it's really good to analyze art and discuss art, but sometimes there isn't like meaning. Meaning, like, right now you're drawing apples, or as you say, butts, which I think is also funny because that's what I was, I was like. Ooh, it's peaches. It was not, um, <laughs> but like They're pink pearl apples. <laughs> like, and I mean, on, on the one hand, it could be uh, a thing like you're discussing the ephemeral something something. They will go brown, whatever. Or it's just like this was a shape that appealed to me. Mm-hmm. And I liked it and it made me happy, you know, or maybe these are pebbles. I have pebbles. I drew them. They are nice. Sh- like <laughs> currently my uh, apple peaches are looking a little um, erotic, but, you know, we're working on that. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe they do have meaning. Well, that's nice. That's what uh, that's what Marco said. They kind of looked like. And I was like, maybe I want them to be that way. <laughs> you know, like trying to be a little edgy. And I'm like, I'm not really edgy. Never or you're mind. like. Marco, you have a very dirty mind. You see what you (laughs) want to see. No, but you know what I mean? Like, there's that thing of, like, it has to be something. There has to be feeling, and that feeling should be dark. Right. And otherwise, it's just kind of classified as, like, oh, it's motel art. It's art for the masses. It's Mm -hmm. art just to make people walk past and not look at it. And it's like, yeah, I I totally see that. And I totally classify a lot of 
not only the stuff I make, but other stuff that I see like that. And so I'm, I'm really guilty of that kind of stigmatization of just art that just is, you know, like I just Mm -hmm. wanted to draw a thing. And, and I feel like that it's so negatively looked at when there's no tragedy associated with it. But it's, it's funny too. like, say, say the motel art, for instance, say you found out that the guy who painted that like he always paints the same cabin over and over throughout the seasons and that's where his whole family died of cholera it's still the exact same paintings but suddenly you'd be like wow yeah there's there's something are you are you actually referring to um jack and kate (laughs) the jack and kate cabin (laughs) oh god it's like a death cabin that's like full of dead cholera people like that's (laughs) I'm going to look at these paintings really differently now. No, I'm, I was I was just off the top of my head trying to think of like, because it's that thing of how we also ascribe meaning to it. Like, uh, you know what I mean? Like, say you have someone. Who Thomas paint- Kincaid, not Jack Kincaid. <laughs> you know, if, if we, you know, someone who just paints fruit uh, or, I don't know, flowers or whatever. And then you find out that, oh, she always wanted children and could never have them. Is it a thing like, you know, you know what I mean? Like you have mm-hmm. to f- it's it's like you have to find either the thing of like, oh, they were mentally ill or they had this life tragedy and that's what always drove them where maybe it didn't. Because, I mean, there are people who also go through horrible things and come out of it either OK or not processing that thing. They're just like, no, I just wanted to write this story that's an allegory about racism and it has absolutely nothing to do with like my childlessness or uh, car accident, you know what I mean? Like it's it's it, it's weird how also we don't allow for artists to be creative. If we come back to that, like maybe people mm-hmm. do invent things out of nowhere. Maybe we don't have to be like, oh, no, this is about his own hidden like internalized homophobia, and the artist is like, no, it's just a building. I liked it. The sun was not, you know what I mean? People get that way about writing too, especially plays and things. I feel like that there's some, <laughs> there ends up being more art and creativity in the analysis of mm-hmm. a lot of these things than are actually inherently there to yeah. find. And it's people using their, just their, their imagination gets away with them where, you know, they make these connections and essentially form conspiracy theories <laughs> about something that they're looking at when it was really much more simple than that to begin with. Where the, the writer is just, I just needed a, a word to rhyme with banana. That was all. Yeah, like, that just, just could... sounded good together. I don't know. It doesn't mean anything. Then they're like, oh, well, you know, on like the seventh day, this refers to the Bible. And then that is his fear of of commitment with Jesus. And so he wrote this and now the tree leaves are falling. And it's like, he's just looking at a tree. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah. that's it. And again, I do think there that there is a lot of power and, and good things to be found in analyzing art. But then there's that thing like the death of the author. Like you can say like this, this painting has been interpreted this way and a lot of people feel this way about it and maybe blah, blah, blah. But maybe the the um, writer or painter isn't necessarily the the last word on what actually is there. But also mm-hmm. maybe sometimes they can say uh either oh you know now that you mention it yeah that does look like a butt or just like <laughs> no it was i really like the way the sun fell over the trees or actually this this story really is only about a small town grocery store that's that's all it is and i i love that as humans a lot of this stuff doesn't have to be only about like no matter what anybody says it's whatever you kind of want to make it. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think is kind of beautiful in the analysis of art and literature and things like that are not scientific fact based things that something that someone created. It's not only about what the person meant when they were creating it or their intentions or their feelings behind it, but it's the people who are experiencing that piece of art that get to put their own story feelings anxieties interpretations uh onto it as well and have it be used in their own life as a tool for getting through something or wanting to experience like something dark because you just need to experience something dark and you can find these things out in the world even if you don't create them yourselves you're essentially creating the meaning yourself on top of the things that other people have created and it's just like this whole endless 
cannibalistic cycle of creativity <laughs> and interpretation and it's it's just it's fascinating and it's beautiful and it can mentally trip you up sometimes but i think that you'll find meaning and and clarity in things that you you need to yeah i just think again like i, I think there is this weird tendency to fetishize pain and 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 to yeah. to have that be the thing that makes something authentic and important and I think that there's a lot of unnecessary pain and there's a lot of sort of unnecessarily either untreated or unhelped or unchecked pain, either just like throughout history because it wasn't possible or today because there's this stigma around admitting that you have a problem mm -hmm. or uh, admitting that medication might help. There's a stigma about medication in general, but especially for people who are creatives who a lot of the time self-medicate in other ways like i i just don't see how drinking a ton is better than going through you know three or four medications and i i mean again it's i totally see that it's can be really frustrating and really um damaging in other ways to go through medications that don't help but to to get to something that can help you feel better be more stable and just like thinking about I mean, personally, for me and for the people that I care about that have seen, find medication that makes such a difference. And and for me, just like having both the ADHD part of my brain and the anxiety parts of my brain, they're not dulled. I just the way my brain deals with stuff works better. And I mean, I don't fetishize sneezing either. I take antihistamines when pollen season comes up. I'm not like, no, I must suffer. I must go outside and I enjoy the trees and I shall not be able to breathe and everything shall be itchy. You know, like, this is how my body processes stuff. Uh, I shouldn't drink too much milk because that makes everyone around me unhappy. And I should take antihistamines and like, and certain medication helps my brain work better and process things better. I love that you talk about it this way because so often you hear the side of what you're saying is the the painful way to be and that oh I I the medications they just don't work and I need to plow through or be who I am or, or those type of ideologies. I love that you talk about finding the right medication because I feel like that's really a hopeful thing in that it's like not all medication is bad. Not all medication is going to ruin your art. And you are a really good positive way of of displaying that and being like it's okay and it's a process and you're going to have to work through it. And I just – I've never heard anyone talk like that before. I've never heard about anyone so – wonderfully and appropriately advocating for the right medications. And I think that that's really helpful. And I hope that, I don't know, that people out there kind of hear this from Julia, because I, I had a conversation about this with her in person, and it is stuck with me a lot. And I just, I'm really glad that we have this forum for you to put that out there. I'm, I'm getting a little weepy here. Um, <laughs> no, and I'm, I'm so happy to hear that because again, like, and and sometimes it can even be about like you get the right medication for a while and it just helps you through either, um, you know, something that can be temporary, it can be situational or just helps you find other tools that work for you. Like you need, I mean, people, people joke about it being a crutch and I'm mm -hmm. like, but a crutch is a very useful tool uh, that can either be, you know, a temporary or a permanent help. Like, why, mm -hmm. why do we why do we see a crutch as something negative? Why do we use that as because it, it would be really, really weird for someone who's healthy to use a crutch. Like that would just be weird. Yes. But if if you have a problem temporary or permanent with your leg or your back, a crutch is a really good thing. It'll help you not fall over and not hurt, you know, mm -hmm. and maybe you need that while you I'm trying to think how the metaphor works here, but you know what I mean? Like, uh, while you heal mm -hmm. uh, or forever, and that's okay too. And I totally understand people who just like either you don't find the medication for you or you decide that you can work through it. But if you are one of the people who, like, you, you can't make everyday work for you. And I think that's just, it's okay. And again, the same way that you can have allergies or uh, 
diabetes or be lactose intolerant. Like the effects are very different, but you're like, you, you wouldn't say like, well, my lactose intolerance makes me who I am. And again, I totally understand because for me for a long time, I was like, well, I see how medication makes some people like their brains work slower because it, it can affect you that way. And I was I was terrified of that. But then I realized that, you know, like, well, this way isn't working great either. <laughs> mm-hmm. I feel like the stigma about this, it was at first it was on like talk therapy, like seeing therapists and, and going to talk with somebody about a hard time that you're going through that that's okay, like to go through a hard time whether it's inside of yourself, there's external forces, whatever's happening to you, going to a place where you can talk through it with a therapist, it was stigmatized. And that was like, a oh, you obviously have a serious problem if you're going there. And now that that's more accepted, that's more of a, a problem solving solution that's up there on, you know, like, uh, other solutions that you would have for um, mental uh, hangups or situations that you get yourself into that you you need a little help along with. And I feel like now the the idea of medication specifically is is a giant stigma because it's like, well, why can't you do something else? Like change your diet, go talk to someone. It's like, well, there's every other thing under the sun to do besides medication. Like medication's the bad child. Like no, 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 don't don't go play with them. Like they'll get yeah. you into more trouble. And I I just I love hearing from you that that's not true. And I think that more people who find success with their medications, it would be helpful to talk about that and to explain that it's like a process, you know, like it's not, uh, oh, I got this one bottle of drugs from my doctor and it all worked out great. Like (laughs) that's also a myth. Yeah. And I think, I think a lot of it is that like, and I mean, this goes for everything, every, every topic, you're going to hear about the negative experiences, because the people who have mm-hmm. a good experience at a restaurant or with a drug or wherever are going to be like, do just go on with their lives. And you complain about the thing that didn't work. And I respect mm-hmm. that. But because there's, you know, that there's that meme of like, this is an antidepressant. And then there's a picture of like a forest. And it's like, this is drugs. And I'm just like, no, this is outside. And outside is nice. But maybe if you're like stuck inside, because you just can't work up the the energy to go outside, then maybe drugs are good. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's, there's this whole idea of like, oh, doctors just toss drugs around, which is kind of funny because with, with antidepressants, you do see sometimes people get like, they come in with a complaint and, and doctors prescribe antidepressants when maybe they should have looked at other stuff. But I, I, I am fascinated when people talk about how ADHD medication is thrown around willy-nilly, which in my experience, both in Sweden and with the people that I've talked to in other parts of the world, that's rarely the case, especially uh, once you get past like the younger kids, because there is usually a long evaluation process. Like I, TMI here, like I've had to pee with an audience so that they checked that I wasn't self-medicating before I like (laughs) I've had Mm. to take an EKG I've had to like I I go get my blood pressure checked and they check like that I'm doing okay fairly regularly because you know they're stimulants but they want to make sure that I'm doing okay both like mentally but also like is my body being damaged by this it's not I have really good blood pressure which is amazing (laughs) and I mean, if if medication is being overprescribed, the problem is with like the doctors, not the medication itself. I think, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of people, you know, can get stuck in therapy or uh, get stuck on medication that maybe doesn't help, and that's not good. But it's it's I think it's the wrong path. This is maybe not so much about art anymore, but <laughs> but I I do we'll think get back that there. We go, the next we'll, topic yeah. in the in the list. We'll, we're we're making our way back. <laughs> um, but but I think that if one of the things that scares people off is that it's going to ruin their creativity and productivity. I mean, sometimes yeah, sure it could. Like you'll if you're not like spiraling through manic episodes, maybe you'll paint less. But maybe over the course of your life. You can still paint things. Um, and I mean, just from my experience, you'll still remember the pain afterwards. You can still like, you, you can tap into it. Don't worry. You'll remember. 
you might even have a longer life to do more things, you know, like, or exactly. more days where you're motivated to actually get out of bed and do stuff or, you know, like. I, I could totally understand the fear and the sorrow of losing a certain part of your creativity, but I just, I can't, not that I get to decide, but I'm just like, I can't advocate for pain for the sake of output. It's just, I, mm-hmm. I, I can't. And yeah, no. No, don't do it. That's a great way to put it. Be happy Uh, instead. (laughs) (laughs) I want to talk about art as therapy. Yes. Which I think there's our transition. We're back. (laughs) We found it again. Um, This is something I've been talking to my studio mate about as she will often um, bring up our show that we talk about it. And she was like discussing how um, having the studio space together for her, it is just such a a place of calm and a place that she finds a lot of personal therapy, just getting away and being there and having a space of our own, you know, like to go to that has no expectations besides you just can make stuff here. Mm -hmm. And that is a giant bunch of therapy. And she's been encouraging me to, to kind of, set those times of like you need to be there like if you had an appointment with an actual therapist to go and talk to them why can't going to the studio be that same thing like the definitely and I love I loved that um in the show notes like thinking of it as like this is because we talked about it before as just like you time but in the also thinking of it in the sense of like this is something that I need need not just something mm-hmm. that, oh, I need this time for me and, you know, but like in in the very gritty sense of this is something that I need to make me feel good, you know? Yeah. And I think that that's a really great way to think about it and to be like, this is like my mandatory appointment time of I will be in the studio and this is this is my therapy. Like I need to be here for therapeutic reasons. And I find myself getting into terrible moods when I don't get to go. Like it's, it's almost like I wonder if it's affecting me in a negative way because now I am just like, you're going through a withdrawal. I am. I like, I have horrible mood swings and I get really upset when I can't go. Like if it's a week between me going, I'm like, I'm just so put out by like everything bothers me. I'm just annoyed by everything. And then as soon as I go, the next day is like all sunshine and lollipops. I'm like, oh, no problem. Everything's good. I can handle whatever. And then it's like two days since I hadn't been there. And I'm like, (laughs) it's. I find that for me, making and creating stuff can be a lot like exercise in that when I'm feeling crappy or cranky is when I know I need to do it, but I don't Mm want to do it. Yeah. And once I pick it up, like despite myself, I go, I don't want to, but I pick it up and like do something I paint or knit or go in the studio or I take a walk and I'm like, oh, right. Because when when you need it is when you really can't find maybe sometimes the boost to do it. But if once you do find the boost to do it, you're like, this is exactly what I needed right now when I was too cranky to think that I wanted to do it sort of. Yeah, I've been finding that it's it's like the ultimate, like getting back to yourself, uh, especially for me at sharing some personal stories throughout this episode. Um, I did see a therapist right after I had my son because having babies is a huge giant life change and changes everything and everyone around you and the way you interact with everyone. And, and also your all the hormones. hormones. Are crazy. <laughs> yeah. Your hormones are actually like super crazy. And sometimes you just need to talk to someone who isn't involved with any of it to tell you you're not the crazy one and everything's going to be okay. So and I actually, I really loved going to see like those therapy sessions. It, it was, it was great. I felt like I reconnected and, and made everything better by going to that. And then eventually, you know, your baby grows up and things become easier and you fall into a groove. And, um, you know, I kind of, I, I met a great friend and they were essentially my therapy, like the mom bond, you know, was great. And now it's like, I feel like I'm finally getting back to me and like my creativeness and not defining myself as a mom. And it's like, I, I think that that's why I always get cranky when all of a sudden I have to, like, I don't get to have that release anymore. It's like, now I'm expecting to just, I get to be myself every day (laughs) and I get to go create something. And that's what I want to spend all my time doing. And then when I don't get to do that, it's a blow. And it's so it's like you have to make and it's so easy to not make time for that. Mm -hmm. And have all of those 
feelings of life pressure and just whatever that comes up, it just all starts accumulating and puts you into a terrible mood. And then it's like, you finally get that release when you do get to like go and create something and, and just be with your own brain for a little while. And it feels like such a giant relief of self. And I think that that's what art therapy is for me. And it is, it's like making that mandatory is really difficult because it still feels like this is a frivolous hobby Mm-hmm. that I'm doing and like why am I putting so much of this mental weight on a hobby that it, the ability to even do it or not is affecting my other days and I guess that that's a problem too <laughs> no but I think it is it's that like accepting and allowing for being a creative person and that you need an outlet for that and being like well this is you know I don't think it's a good thing to make your pain the one defining characteristic of who you are, but I think it might be okay to have being like artistic or creative be an important defining characteristic of who you are. And like we keep saying, like it's, it's hard to let yourself do that and be that and be like, no, this is, you know, this is who I am and this is important to me. And this time is important to me. And I'm allowed to make that a priority. Yeah. That's the, the allowed or the, I don't know. It's just like sometimes when you tell other people like, look, I can't, uh, I can't do this because I'm going to be at the studio. I don't know. I don't know. Like, even though now I'm kind of like working towards making stuff for a fair in the summertime. So I'm really like calculating. It's like, okay, if a painting takes me three studio sessions, like three days in the studio to finish, or at least get enough finished where I can just walk away from it and nothing's ever really finished. Right. (laughs) Then I need this many days. And what if I want to do something just for myself in between? And then that eats up that. And then it's like, well, if I only get there once a week, this is never going to happen. And it's like that creates a whole bunch of it's like I'm trying to justify it in a monetary kind of jobby sense. And not that that's not helpful, but for some reason that feels more legitimate of a reason mm-hmm. than just saying, I just need to do this. And- I think I think you should think of it like when people say, you know, for, for etiquette questions, you'd be like, I have plans. They don't need to know that your plans involve a tub of ice cream and Netflix, you know, <laughs> like maybe it's your friends and you're not just going to lie about it. But, you know, like and, and see, that's the problem with friends. You can't lie. Then they're like, oh, what are you doing? Who? What do you mean? And it's like, oh, I want to tell you the truth because you're my friend. But at the same time, I just want to disappear. <laughs> I just want to disappear. Yeah. But, but but one thing that did strike me when you were talking about it is we, we, it sort of also comes back to that thing of of real or not real art where you can have like the art therapy of like painting your feelings or writing your feelings or singing your Mm -hmm. feelings or whatever but then also i think it's just as valid to have art therapy that's just like no this is just i just need to make something i need to um, make something happen i need to do something with my hands or my brain Mm -hmm. that can be just like i'm just i'm i'm making a quilt block and that's what i need as my art and making therapy you know or, I mean, like my pots, it's not like, oh, I, I pour my black pain and misery into this <laughs> mug. It's just like, no, I'm doing something with my hands. And it can be like turning my brain off. Or mm-hmm. sometimes with some making, it's a place to let your brain roam free while your hands are busy. And I mean, mm-hmm. there are forms of therapy that are like that where you... It's like a creative shower. Right. <laughs> 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 yeah, exactly. And and I think that's totally valid as well. And I think sometimes people focus uh, a lot on the art therapy of like, and I mean, the, there's a lot of research on that of like, drawing your pain and drawing your feelings, but also research on the therapeutic part of just doing things with your hands and making something happen. And I think that's so cool how the brain is just like, do 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 I shall glue two sticks together and feel better. <laughs> that's that's a good thing theme song for us. <laughs> I like that. But like yeah. I just I, I struggle with the confidence in in saying that I need this. And from a an anecdote from like a fr- uh, well it's Jamie, my studio mate. She told me that a friend of hers um is a writer and she has a day where she writes and that is her day that she writes and she said and even if she's not planning on publishing anything or has anything in the works that's professional it's a and whenever she asks them oh you want to go have coffee this day or have this this or do this and they're she's like nope I'm writing 
Mm-hmm. Like I, I have this, I'm like, I am writing this day. And it's like almost no matter what she's writing. And so she's busy. And I just, I crave that confidence to just be like, nope, this is my day mm-hmm. and I'm painting today. And that's, that's it. Like, unless there's an emergency, like a real emergency, I'm painting today. And it feels so self-indulgent to do that. But why is that so privileged? bad though? Why I is it know, bad to I be know. self-indulgent? <laughs> that That's the whole therapy, right? Because I, I try to think of it also sometimes as, because I will do like, you know, I joke that they're retreats because they're not really, but like that word makes it seem more official. We're like, oh, my sister and I are planning just like go out to um, her family house in the country and just like write for a weekend. Uh, or like a friend will come over on a week, like on a Saturday and we'll spend the day writing. We'll like write for a certain amount of time, take a walk, write for a certain amount of time, have lunch. Uh, or I went out into the country with some friends and just knitted for a weekend. I'd just be like, and, and you could, you know, like if you think about it that way, like, okay, so if you had a day, if, if you were going to, if you and Jamie were going to go out to, to the beach house and paint for a weekend, Oh, that sounds nice. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it sounds amazing, but why couldn't you do that for a day on a Wednesday? You know? Right. Like, why would it be yeah. less valu- valuable because it's, you know, on a weekday and you're not bringing wine? I mean, you can bring wine, but, <laughs> but like an overnight doesn't make it more valid, you know? Right. I like the idea of calling it a retreat, though. That's that's <laughs> that's sneaky. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's a brain trick right there. <laughs> and and really, really making it like, no, this is the thing that I like to do. And it doesn't have to be like official because like a knitting retreat sounds to some people, I'm sure, really silly. But it was like, no, we just knitted and talked and ate a ton of cheese for dinner. It was amazing. <laughs> and then we knitted some more and then we went to bed because we're getting old. Um, but it was just it was really nice uh, to decide that like, no, this is a, and and um, there are three of us. One of us has two kids. So it took, you know, it takes some planning. And I'm sure, you know, she traded off something else annoying with her husband. Uh, but just to be like, sometimes you get to steal that time and just be like, yeah, no. but that, then you're like wondering how many times until I'm being a greedy jerk. You know, like how many, how many therapy days can be like, oh, I need to go to the studio. I need to go. I need to go to the studio again. Oh, I'm back at the studio. Like, you know, like how many times is it do you get, you know, like is, are there, obviously there aren't rules, but like, gosh, it feels like be like every weekend I need a retreat. (laughs) (laughs) No, but you could take like a Tuesday half day or like a whole Mm -hmm. Thursday. You know what I tell friends who are like about to burn out? Like, okay, imagine that uh, uh, an alien spaceship comes and picks you up. Just like, and it travels away. It doesn't do anything unpleasant to you. It's just like you you travel space for a week or whatever. (laughs) And you come back and it plops you back. And uh, either, you know, things haven't gotten done and nothing has caught on fire. So you're not as important as you think. Or they've gotten done by someone else and you're not as important as you think. Or everything has caught fire. And, And the third is not the most likely. And I know that you have a child. So maybe don't, you know. get kidnapped by space aliens but there's that thing of like most of the things that we think are super important usually aren't when you think about it Mm -hmm. and i don't know and i mean it's easy for me to say because i don't have kids um but i just think like what 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 are you ruining if you're gonna be greedy and sneaking off two days a week Mm -hmm. what's what's gonna explode yeah nothing is your dog gonna catch fire? No. No. Oh, my husband wouldn't let that happen. <laughs> <laughs> He's in charge of the dog. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But no. And I, I mean, I and, 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 and if, if your butt apples make you happy, mm-hmm. then you know, prioritize your butt apples every now and then. And I think most of us like will have someone who will check us if we're starting to be like, well, I need nine days a week with my butt apples. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all about balance, right? Finding yeah. balance. Yeah. Otherwise, you'll become a compulsive maker. And that's a whole nother problem. (laughs) Yeah. And again, like that's that's where maybe if you get help with medication and therapy, you don't get stuck in that like, oh, I can stay up till four in the morning um, sewing or knitting or throwing pots. And yeah, but you and you and I will will have a retreat. We'll go to Iceland and we'll (sighs) paint uh, and go in the hot springs. 
Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> I very much want that. Anyway, sign up for Relay membership. <laughs> so Tim and Julia can go <laughs> create art in some hot springs. <laughs> uh, and, <laughs> very much oh. so. I would love to hear, though, people's thoughts, obviously, on Inktober as well. Like, how did you do? Mm-hmm. Um, I saw some... I mean, we got some lovely comments uh, from people who were inspired, like we said. Uh, but also, I really, really am curious about your thoughts um, on this. And I know we like barely scraped the surface, uh, but I do think that it is really important to talk about like this idea of a: you have to have pain to make art, and b: you shouldn't dull the pain <laughs> or try to to cure yeah. it. Those are not rules. Those are misconceptions. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Um, First, first step. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, don't do that. Yeah. You can be an artist even if you had a great childhood and even if your bunny didn't die. It got eaten by raccoons. It was horrible. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. It's okay. It was a long time ago. What was your bunny's name? Cinnamon. Aw. Cinnamon the bunny. We will send send a thought to Cinnamon. (laughs) Um, I'm sure that we'll be touching on a whole bunch more about this in future episodes because, I mean, it's part of who we are and how we think and why we make things, right? Like, it's it's all tied in together. Yeah, and it's getting darker and darker all over the world, unless, I think, if you're in Australia. I don't remember how that works. If it gets... I think their days might be long anyway. I forget. So I'm not sure. I always say the wrong thing about Australia and then forget. I'm really. I have to apologize to Australia like weekly on depending on what podcast. But most I'm of on. the world is getting darker and darker, so I'm sure we're going to have lots to whine and gripe about. Um, I'm just happy I didn't sneeze in your ear during the taping of this episode. Perfect. It's a good day. <laughs> anyway, everyone, you can um, find our show notes at relay.fm slash make do um, or in your podcast player. And we are make do pod on Twitter and Instagram. And you can use the hashtag um, make do pod to contact us and have any comments or send us messages. You can find us individually at Tiffany Armin and at Julia Scott, S-K-O-T-T, um, all over the place. We've been getting so many wonderful messages from people who really like the show and we have heard them and we've read them and we've shared a lot of them with each other. And it just, it really makes us truly happy. And I don't know, I, I feel really I, I don't know the you guys word. Are Do you the think the best? <laughs> I just feel really good about making the show and that it's actually re- reaching people and helping them out there, whether it's not feeling alone or having inspiration to get a really cool haircut that they totally deserve. Um, but yeah, I feel like I, I feel sort of heard and hugged, and yeah, I feel like it. and I feel like the listeners also feel heard and hugged by oh, our talking. So much hugging. <laughs> So much hugging and hearing. And so we'll be back to hug and hear you um, in a fortnight. And until then, go make and do.